praising God today. He's worthy. Maybe you're saying, you don't know, Pastor Ben, what kind of week I've had. It's been rough. There's hardship, disappointments. But if we, the Bible says, have breath in our lungs, we can praise God. <laughs> he has given us so much, so much to praise him for. Well, today's a special day for me. It's special because I'm here worshiping with you, but it's also special because uh, today my wife and I uh, are celebrating 17 years of marriage. I thank God for that. I can't see you. You're hiding behind the speaker, Jill. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for my wife. She's an amazing gift that I don't deserve, but God is so gracious, so good. So thankful for 17 years of growing together and learning together and following Jesus together. I remember when we were engaged in getting ready to make those vows, and uh, I know there's some people here who are engaged and getting ready to say those vows, and I always say the, the most important thing on the wedding day isn't the party, it's, it's not the, the, be- the beautiful things, although we can celebrate that, we can enjoy that, it's what we say, it's the vows. And... Uh, one thing Jill and I talked about in preparation for that day is getting old together. We wanted to spend our whole lives together. And, um, you know, it's interesting as, as we go into the Word today, we're going to talk about aging. And uh, yes, the Bible talks about getting old. <laughs> it talks about aging. And it talks a lot about a lot of things of life. And uh, now, 17 years later, I realize, you know, a- aging isn't a good thing. It's a hard thing, right? And it can be difficult. And I've had an opportunity as a pastor to go into a lot of uh, nursing homes, care places, and spend quite a bit of time with people who are going through the effects of aging. And they're not pleasant. It's difficult. It's a hard reality. And as a culture, as a people, we don't like to think about it. We, we like to kind of push it aside, and in fact, there's whole industries that are dedicated to just getting our mind off aging and stri- trying to stay young as long as possible. Well, what we've learned in Ecclesiastes is, is uh, God wants to pop some of our bubbles, some of the denials that we have, some of the things that we don't really want to think about. God brings to our attention, not to harm us, not to make us feel bad, but to help us, to teach us the way of joy, to teach us the way of life, because God wants to bless. He wants to give. He wants to help us. And so a lot of times we ignore, and we think if we just ignore it, it won't happen. (laughs) Or if we don't talk about it, it, it'll be okay. But the reality is the Bible confronts us with the reality of the curse in our world. And one of the major themes in Ecclesiastes is that we we live in a cursed world. The world's not as it should be. But God has placed eternity in our hearts. (laughs) He has given us a longing for life. He's given us a longing for joy. And joy can be had in this life. That is the message of Ecclesiastes. But we have to change our thinking from the idea that somehow we can gain life on our own outside of God to understanding what Solomon discovered is that if we find God— if we trust God, if we place our fear in God and realize that He gives gifts, good gifts, He is the giver of life, 
and he is the giver of everything that is good that we long for. And when we come to God, not to gain, but to receive, then we discover true joy. And so this morning, I want to point to you to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. This is the second to last sermon in Ecclesiastes. Next week, we're going to end in a, in a great celebration of, of this incredible message. In fact, the longer I have spent in the book of Ecclesiastes, the more God has ministered to my own soul and my own longing for joy and how I am, can discover that in God. And so this has been rich for me personally. And so before I read this passage, it's beautiful, poetic language. I want to describe something I've seen as a pastor. Some of the most difficult conversations I've ever had with people have been in their older age. And what I've noticed is people age differently. And some of the saddest moments I've had as a pastor in my life has been being with older people who are af affected by aging, but never discovered joy in their life. And all they have left is bitterness and anger, disappointment and heartbreak, and they're trapped in their bodies that are slowly dying. There's nothing more depressing or more painful that I have witnessed in my life than being with an older person who's trapped in anger and bitterness and resentments. It's terrible. It's heartbreaking. But I can also say as a pastor, some of the most meaningful, most joyful, uh, impactful conversations I've ever had has been with older people also being affected by age. In fact, I remember in Minnesota driving two hours to a home to be with a woman who was part of the founding of the church that I had pastored. And I had never met her before, but she was um, her, she was getting sick and, and didn't have much longer to live, and I wanted to go spend time with her. So I drove two hours, and I spent two hours with her. And those were some of the best two hours of my whole ministry as I spent with her. And she couldn't even get out of bed. She had to use a lift to get her out, and it was so dehumanizing to see the effects of aging in her life. But here's my takeaway after two hours with her. She understood the gift of God. She had so much joy. She just wanted to talk about the beauty of life, the beauty of God, the joy of God, the wonder of God, and how God had blessed her. I, I, I didn't want to leave with her because she radiated something that I long for, that I think every person longs for. And even though her body was destroyed and decaying and headed towards death, there was life in her. And I've met people like that, other people, and you have too. What's the difference? I think Solomon invites us to understand the difference. I'm going to start in chapter 12, verse 1, and then we're going to go back later in the sermon to look at chapter 11. But this is what Solomon says in verse 1. Remember your creator. We're creator. We're sitting in his creation. His breath in your lungs right now. He is the one that sustains all life. Remember him. Don't forget him. In the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain, and when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men stoop, 
and when the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim, and when the doors of the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, and when the people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and the dangers in the streets, and when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred, then people will go into their eternal home and mourners will go out into the streets. Remember him, remember God, before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered in the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground that it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. God gives us life. And then he ends verse 8, and I'm, I know the NIV translates this meaningless, but the word in Hebrew is havel, which means vapor, breath. Vapor, breath, vapor, breath, says the teacher. Everything is vapor and breath. Life is short. It passes away so quickly. So this is some of the most beautiful poetry in the Bible. <laughs> and Solomon is talking about growing old. And as you listen to those words, you might be thinking, what's he talking about? Well, he's, he's using metaphor, imagery. He's describing the dying process. We lose our strength. We become weak. We can't see he uses this imagery of windows closing. Our eyes grow dim. We can no longer hear the sounds around us. We become afraid of even simple tasks that we just did when we were younger. And we begin to lose our drive and our desires. And so he's describing in a poetic way aging. And so how are we to approach this reality as followers of Jesus, as people who worship God, who have a relationship with God, as we just sang, as, as people who know that God is our Father and that this life is not all that there is, that God has put eternity in our hearts and that this life is just the beginning. <laughs> there is eternal life and that's why Jesus came. But how do we, how do we go through this process of aging and death. And I just want to say as a pastor of Rimrock Church that you of all churches are blessed because you had a pastor who modeled this. Pastor Steve, who served before me, modeled joy and hope and peace in the face of death. You saw that. You witnessed that. You saw that it's possible to have joy even in this painful process. Praise God. Praise God. We need to go back and understand Solomon's point here. His point isn't to depress us. <laughs> His point isn't to make us afraid of getting old or aging, of losing those things that are so precious to us, our, our, our senses, those things we enjoy in this life. In fact, Solomon wants us to enjoy them all the more, and that's why we have to back up to chapter 11, verse 7. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. Don't take for granted that you can feel the warmth of the sun this morning. It gives us life. It's a gift from God. 
However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. Life is a gift. Don't live in resentment and anger and depression. Live knowing that God is the giver. Now, now we, we struggle with those things. I struggle with those things. I have days where I get up and I, I don't feel good. I struggle. I have anxieties. I have weaknesses. But the invitation is not to focus on those things, but to realize that God is the giver. Let us remember however many, uh, I'm sorry, but let them remember the days of darkness for, for there will be many. Everything to come is breath or vapor. But you who are young, and here's where I want to focus the rest of our time this morning. You who are young, be happy, be joyful while you are young. And let your hearts give you joy in the days of your youth. And I don't think he's just talking about a certain age. As, as long as you have breath, as long as you can see, as long as you can hear, as long as you can go about and live, be joyful, be happy. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eye sees. But know for all these things God will bring into judgment. Now, this is very different from hedonism. In chapter 1 and 2, Solomon talks about just the pursuit of pleasure outside of God. And he said, there is no joy, there's no happiness in just fulfilling our desires and just pursuing pleasure for pleasure's sake. But what he is saying is when we come into relationship with God, when we understand the gift of God, we understand that life can be filled and enjoyed with everything that God gives. And that's what he's talking about here. The context here of this mandate to be joyful is in the context of God's presence, his judgment, the reality that we will stand before God, both in this life and in the next life. So here's what I want you to think about this morning. It doesn't say that joy should be an option for us. And this is reinforced throughout the Bible because later... In the New Testament, after Jesus came, and by the way, Jesus talked a lot about joy, Paul says, rejoice. And he says, rejoice in the Lord. Find joy in God. And it's interesting that it's not an option. In fact, we can even use the word command, but I don't like the word command because sometimes the word command makes us think that somehow I got to produce this, I got to obey this, I got to make this happen. The word I like is the word mandate. I think this is a mandate from God. And the difference between a command and a mandate is that God supplies what we need to make this happen. A mandate means God says do this, but then he, he gives us the tools. <laughs> he gives us the resource to do it. And it's the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, we remembered Pentecost as a church where God poured out the Holy Spirit. And Solomon didn't fully understand this. He, he, he could peer into the future and knew what God was like, but he wasn't sure how to fully experience this. And Jesus fulfilled Solomon's prophetic longing for joy. When Jesus came and he says, I have a gift for you. Don't try to go and live this life without the gift because the Holy Spirit will produce and will give what we lack, what we can't do on our own, God will do in us and through us. That's why joy is a mandate. God has given us the authority and he's given us the resources to have joy. 
So how do we define joy? It's got to be more than just a pure emotion, although I think it is emotion, but it can't be drummed up. It can't be just self-produced. I think joy ultimately comes from delight in God, and that's, that's how Solomon is defining it. He's saying you can't experience this if you don't know your creator. That's why I remember your creator. Remember your maker because he's the source. He's the giver. And so it's in delighting in God that we discover joy. But I think it's something so profound because it stirs in our souls. It's not dependent on our circumstances. And that's why I could be with that woman in that nursing home in Minnesota unable to get out of bed, unable to hear or see or enjoy so much of life. But the reason she could have joy is because God had produced something in her that stirred deep within her soul and produced a power that could not be explained by her circumstances. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, streams of living water would flow from us, from those who have the Holy Spirit. This is what Solomon is talking about, is that joy by its very definition has to come from God. It's delighting in God. And then the only way we can define joy as Christians is that it is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as super Christians. (laughs) There's not some people who have it and others who don't. There's only Christians, only people who have a relationship with their creator, with their maker. And he has all the resources. It's not dependent on our personality or what we can produce or what we can make on our own. It's dependent on God. It is his gift. And our role is to receive the gift, to be receivers of what only God can give us. And so that's how we define joy. It comes from God and it's his gift for us. Isn't that good news this morning? (laughs) On this Father's Day, Fathers, you don't have to be the best or perfect dads. I remember I had a crisis as a young dad with my oldest son as I realized I I felt like I was failing all the time. I was getting angry. I was impatient. I just came to God and I said, God, I can't do this. And God reminded me, Ben, it's not about you. You can't be good enough. You can't produce enough. Come to me and I will be his perfect father. Rely on me and I will give you what you need to be a father in his life. It was a radical shift in my thinking. And that is what God is talking about here. Joy is a gift. God has the resources. He can make it possible. But here's the deal. Don't wait to receive the gift. (laughs) Don't wait. Don't say, I'm going to enjoy being young and I'm going to do whatever I want and not think about God until I get old. Because what does Solomon say? Remember your creator while you're young. Enjoy God now. Because he's not going to hold back on you. This life is going to be awesome for you if you walk with God. He's not going to make you miserable. He's going to fulfill you. He's going to help you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to satisfy you. He's going to make a way for you. But walk with him, know him, remember him while you are young. This is the invitation today. I remember um, going to uh, Mexico and I I was with a group of Minnesotans 
And uh, I lived in Minnesota for a long time. I'm married to a Minnesotan. And one thing that's, uh, it's kind of an over-characteristic. Uh, it's not true of everyone, but Minnesotans tend to be pretty stoic. They don't show a lot of emotion. <laughs> they tend to be pretty uh, uh, fact-of-life kind of people, right? Not everyone, but tend to be. And so we go to Mexico, and we spend a week there. Now, I've been, uh, I've pastored in Minnesota for many years, and I, I rarely saw a Minnesotan dance. <laughs> very rarely would they dance. <laughs> Maybe once in a while, but very rarely would they dance. Not even, well, polka. There was some polka dancing. You're right. <laughs> but in a church service, I, I hardly ever saw a Minnesotan dance. But by the end of that week, there were 20 Minnesotans that learned how to dance. Now, it wasn't just emotion. I'll tell you what happened. We all met a man named Pastor Molinar. Pastor Molinar exhibited the joy that Solomon's talking about here. Now, his story was not an easy one. He was in a wheelchair because from a young age, he had a disease where his bones would break. And so he had countless surgeries and bones would break over and over and over again. And so he could not walk. He could not do all the things that we take for granted. He was stuck in a wheelchair and was totally dependent on other, other people. But the joy of the Lord was in Pastor Molinad. And that church exhibited a joy in the midst of poverty and destruction all around, chaos all around that neighborhood. It was not a nice place to live, but that church radiated joy. In fact, I remember talking to a woman one day in a worship service, and I say, why are you here? And she said, for, ten year, or for five years, I walked past this church, going to the market, getting food, and going back home, and I was miserable. Every day I was miserable, depressed, and every day I'd walk, in, walk by that church, I'd look in the door, and I'd say, why are those people so happy? <laughs> why, why are they so happy? And then I'd keep walking, and she said, finally, one day I woke I walked past, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to walk by today. I'm going to go in. And she walked in, and she heard the good news about Jesus, and that Jesus is the giver of life and the giver of joy. And she surrendered her life, and she came to Jesus, and she said, you know, I have never regretted walking in that door because I discovered life. I discovered joy. And this church radiated joy in a place of poverty, Pastor Molinad, when he would preach in his wheelchair, he didn't have the physical strength to stand or to, uh, to wave his arms, but joy would radiate from his soul. How can you explain that? Only God can do that. Only God can bring about that kind of joy. And that's what Solomon is talking about here. And I know this is real because I've experienced it and I've seen it. And I th was thinking this morning about my grandfather, and he uh, lived a, a full life in a lot of ways. He was a preacher, a missionary, a lot of uh, godly man, but, but the greatest impact he had on my life wasn't in his youth. It was when he became old and had Parkinson's disease, and everything was stripped away in his life. He couldn't eat on his own. He couldn't lift up his hands. His, his face was frozen. But I watched him and my grandmother as they walked through older age, and I saw something, I experienced something that couldn't be explained. I saw in them the presence of God, the joy of God, the love of God. And I, I couldn't wait to go to their home as a, as a kid, 
because not that they could play with me or give me gifts, but just being in their presence, I experienced the tangible presence of God exhibited in joy. As they would lovingly care for each other, as they modeled what it meant to age with grace and face death with hope. And I experienced the grace of God in my grandparents as I witnessed that, as I watched that. And my dear brothers and sisters, that's what the world needs. They don't need so much our preaching and our, 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 our moralism. What they need is living testimonies of the joy of God. That we are the people who have received from God the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit. And his joy is in us. And nothing can take that away from us. Even sickness, even aging, even death. Nothing can take away our joy because God has given it to us and he is able to do what we cannot do. We're going to close here and I just, I want to look like Solomon says to remember our creator. I'm going to invite the worship team. In Colossians chapter 1, we have this beautiful image of Jesus. He's the giver, the creator. And this is what he says For in Christ the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised circumcised with circumcision, not performed by human hands, but your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him in your faith, in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And so, What Christ is doing is what we cannot do. He's changing us. He's transforming us. His fullness is in us. And that's why Paul could write in chapter 1 that he rejoices, that he has joy even in his suffering. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. You know each and every person here. You know those who are weary and heavy laden. And Jesus, you say, come. Come to me who are weary. God, I pray that every person here would not leave today without experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit and the gift of Jesus to take away the flesh and to make us new in Christ. I pray that today people would know that it is the day of salvation and that sins can be forgiven and new life is available. And so God, I pray in Jesus' name for every person that they would come to the altar. They would come to the lover of their souls. They would come to the one who wants to give and bless and make them whole. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.